So we hit the end of the story of Joseph. And Joseph does something. So the seven years of, 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 of plenty came and went. Now it's time for the seven years of famine. And the famine is, is going, and it's, it's going, and there's a couple of years have passed in this famine. And Joseph does something that in our democratic American eyes would seem like it's a really bad thing. Because, of course, American democracy equals Christianity. <laughs> of course it does. Doesn't the Bible say, thou have a right to bear arms? I mean, doesn't that come from the Bible? I'm being kidding. Everybody's like, does it? I don't know, does it? Because <laughs> we're Americans, and we love our democracy, and we hate the communists. Because that's what we do. So what happens with Joseph? The famine comes. He does something that if it happened in this day and age, my gosh, the backlash. I don't know if you realize it. But we know that over the time of plenty, Joseph devised a plan that he was going to store up grain. Right? There was all this excess, so he takes all the grain and he stores it in storehouses owned by Pharaoh. Right? He stores up all this excess. Well, that sounds like a great idea, and it was an amazing divine plan. So what happens when the famine really starts to hit hard in Egypt? Well, the people of Egypt, they go to Joseph. And they say, Joseph, we're starving. So he sells them grain. Stay with me here. He sells them the grain. Okay? You give me your money, and I'll give you the grain. And that perpetuated over time, over time, over time, until it says there was no more money left in Egypt. Which means that Pharaoh and Joseph took all the money and kept it and did not redistribute it. Now, the government owned all the money. There was no money left in Egypt. Everybody had zero, and Pharaoh and Joseph had everything. So then, the famine is still going. So they say, we're out of money. We'll sell you, we'll give you, sorry, we'll give you our livestock for the food, for the grain, for the bread. So Joseph says, sounds good. So everybody gives their horses and their cattle and all their donkeys and all that kind of stuff. Now Pharaoh not only owns all the money, he owns all the stuff, all the livestock, which was pretty much people's, their, their possessions. So now they can eat. But then the famine continued and continued. So the people say, we're starving, what do we do? We'll sell you, we'll give you our property. This is all in this Torah portion. We'll give you our property. Okie doke, here's some food. Now Pharaoh, the government, owns all the money, all the belongings, and all the land. And the famine keeps going. And they say, what can we do? We'll sell you ourselves. 
We'll give to you ourselves. Do what you want with us. We're dying. We have nothing left. So take us. We'll work for you. We'll do whatever you want. Just give us the bread. They say, okay, Pharaoh and Joseph. So now the government owned all the money, all the land, all the possessions, and enslaved all the people. Everything they owned, the people owned nothing. This is probably the first instance of raw communism in the Bible. Communism, that's of the devil. Not in this case. The Lord divinely wanted this to happen. So Joseph can store all this grain and bless Israel. The Egyptians were pummeled. They had nothing. They were subjugated to the Egyptian, to, to Pharaoh. Why? Because God willed it for the blessing of Israel and this band of 70 who he wanted to prosper in Goshen. And this makes no sense to us because we're Americans. And democracy is the holy political system, of course, and communism is the evil one. But not in this case. So let me just explain a little bit what's happening. Everything in the Torah is prophetic and speaks of Messiah. And we know that Joseph is a foreshadow of Messiah. So what he did is a foreshadow of when it says in Corinthians that he, the son, will subject everything unto him. And he will hand the kingdom back to the father. So this thing that happened where all the Egyptians said, we're done, we will give you our lives, is a foreshadow of what happens in the end when everybody subjects themselves to the sun. So it's a foreshadow of that. But it makes me think, why would God allow a communist system in Egypt? And it makes me realize that governments are God's pawns. Every one of them, America included, he will do what he wants with any government for his good pleasure. He doesn't care about democracy. He doesn't care about communism. He doesn't care about socialism. He doesn't care about any of the other isms out there. His kingdom is a theocracy with Yeshua as king. And that is the only theocracy we want. And the only law from him is the Torah. And we only want that to be enacted with Messiah as king. Because if Messiah is not king, even the Torah can be a, a system of oppression. Right. Do you really want the, 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 the Constitution to be the Torah? No. I don't think you do. Because if it's a human president that's enacting this thing, it can only be oppression. It can only be oppression. What's the first commandment in the Torah? You shall love the Lord your God. There shall be no other gods before me. Do you want America to have a law that you're not allowed to worship any other god but God? Freedom of religion is against the Torah. 
Do you understand that? Freedom of religion, which we love, is actually against Torah. If you want Torah to be the Constitution, you got to make that the only legal religion. So Torah will be the law of the land, but only when Mashiach is king. And that's the only time it will be enacted in holiness. Outside of that, it can be used for oppression. We see that with our Jewish people thousands of years ago. It was used as a tool of oppression. So God is in control of all governments. He will set them up. He will knock them down. He will set them up. He will knock them down. It's like a game of bowling for the Lord. He'll set up the pins. He'll knock them down according to his good pleasure. And I only tell you this to encourage you because there's a lot of angst and passion these days around America. About the way America's supposed to go. And about what's the holy way for America. I need to encourage you that God's got this under control. He's got it. There are many believers, Christians and Messianic Jews, that feel that this world is out of control. I tell you, if you think the world is out of control, you do not believe in God. Because God has everything in control. If it is out of control, that means that God is not God. He is having it in control. It is under control. It is happening exactly the way he's planning it. Exactly the way it's happening. So be encouraged, be of good cheer, look up. For your redemption draws close. It's all happening according to plan. Wait a minute, you're saying all this stuff that we're seeing is actually of the Lord? Well, read the story of Joseph. All of that was from the Lord. Yes, it's from the Lord. Yes, he is allowing it. And I speak to all of you. I do not come before you as a Republican or a Democrat. I am not here to speak politically to anyone. That is not my role as a rabbi. Because the workings of human political systems is workings of the flesh and of the natural. And I'm not here to talk to you in the natural. I'm here to talk to you only in spirit to your spirit. So I don't care if you think America's biggest problem are radical Muslims, and I don't care if you think America's biggest problem are privileged white guys with guns. I don't care. I don't come to you as a Republican or a Democrat. I come to you as a servant of God, trying to speak to your spirit to say that God has this under control. Do not fear. Whatever happens is going to happen. It might be God's will for America to become so disgustingly sinful. And it might be his will for them to come against Israel and to turn against Israel so Israel can eventually take off the burden of having to answer to America and they rely only on God and be saved. That ultimately might be his will. So somebody can become president that can turn against God. Well, how can you say that's God's will? And, you know, there's this whole paradigm between, like, free will and free choice and what's God's will. I don't know how that whole thing operates. Jonathan Burnus from Jewish Voice Ministries had a, had a good line about free will versus God's will. He said, yeah, we have free will. 
but the deck is stacked. <laughs> Which means that God, yeah, he'll, he'll put a bunch of 50 cards before you, whatever it is, and, and say, yeah, pick one. It's your choice which one you pick. But he already knows which one you're going to pick. And he already knows what's going to happen after you pick that exact card. So it is all under control. So rejoice. And don't get into the level of fleshly rage. Do you think for a moment that Pharaoh had any choice but to enslave the, children, the children of Israel? Do you think he had any choice? It even says that God hardened his heart. How can you think that God would want a system, a political system of slavery of God's people? How can you think that God would want that? I tell you that God wanted it. Pharaoh didn't have a choice. There was no way he was going to repent and say, you know what, I repent, children of Israel, you can go and worship your God. I repent, Lord, I believe in you. It was not his destiny. There was no way that was going to happen. It was the Lord's will that the children of Israel get subjugated in slavery. Why? Because he was setting up deliverance. So the children of Israel can take blood from a Passover lamb and put it on the doorpost and foreshadow what Yeshua does, who sets all of us free from slavery. And there was no way around it. How can God desire a system of slavery? In that sense, he did. Because his good will, his pleasure of his good will must have been, must be enacted. He must have his will done. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. And it will be done. And he will do whatever he wants to do. So be encouraged. It's happening exactly the way it's supposed to. Whatever side you're on. And you may think, wait, are you trying to tell me that I shouldn't be an activist? I shouldn't try to change the system? Are you telling me that I shouldn't be raising my voice when I see out when I see things that I think are outrageous, when I see things that are sinful? I shouldn't raise my voice. You do what you want to do. Raise your voice. Go and follow your passions. You know, one thing, I love America. And one thing I love about America, it was built on people raising their voices and saying, I don't think this is fair. And activism, great things have happened from activism. If anybody likes to take a walk in a state park, that came from activism. Because some people said, you know what, if we don't protect our Greenland, Companies are just going to buy it all, and the whole country is going to be concrete. So the government said, okay, you're right, and we'll establish certain areas that are untouchable. So good things, and like, if you enjoy you know, having a five-day work week and having off on a weekend, or you're over 65 and you have Medicare, all these things came from activism. So go and activate. Go and follow your passion. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the government is not your answer. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen after activism? There'll be some law changes. Okay, they'll restrict guns here, and they'll restrict immigration here. These things change minorly. And they're temporary. Because another guy can come, another pharaoh can come in and just change everything back. The government is not your answer. 
So activate, activate, but know that Yeshua is the answer. Yeshua is the only name under heaven by which we will be saved. Yeshua is the only name that means salvation. Trump don't mean salvation. Bernie don't mean salvation. Rubio don't mean salvation. Hillary don't mean salvation. Obama don't mean salvation. Bush don't mean salvation. Yeshua is the only name that means salvation. Hallelujah! He is the answer. He is the one that's going to make the wolf lie down with the lamb. Until that time, I hate to tell you, wolves eat lambs. And will continue to do so. The wolf will eat the lamb. The wolf will eat the lamb. Hi, ho, the dario. The wolf eats the lamb. And that's going to happen until he comes and does something divinely when the wolf and the lamb will unify. Because I tell you that when he brings famine to the country, like he did in Egypt, I tell you those Egyptians who were starving, if they were Republican or Democrat or for gun control or against it, they didn't care at that point. They didn't care at that point. And our God can do something that's to him so simple. He could just tell the clouds, go away. You know, in our first reaction, we'll be like, oh, the weather's so great. Yeah. I mean, there's no rain at all, and the sky is so blue. Ah. A couple of months later, I think we need a little bit of rain. Crops are starting to die. A couple of months later, the Democrats are blaming the Republicans for the emissions. The Republicans are blaming the Democrats for some secret society who's causing this, who's manipulating the weather. A couple of years later, animals and crops and people are dying. A couple of years later, all these fights don't matter anymore. We're grabbing hold, we're holding each other's hands and saying, Lord, deliver us. And that's what he'll do. So go ahead and activate. Go ahead and raise your voice against oppression. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. It says, defend the cause of the oppressed. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But don't look to the government to fix it. The one that lives inside of you will fix it. I gotta tell you, this is fact what I'm about to tell you. Yeshua, in his ministry, not once tried to fix Rome. I'm gonna repeat that. Yeshua, not once tried to fix Rome. Oh, he was tough on the religious system. He tore it on its head. He put it on its head. Tore it upside down. Not once did he go to Caesar and say, let my people go. He could have. He's Messiah. He's God. He could have went to Caesar and said, you stop. You let my people go. Because that was an oppressive regime, the Roman Empire. Do you know that Yeshua was not the first Jew hung on a cross? 
and he wasn't the last. Rome had Jews up on crosses as a spectacle so people would get in line and be obedient. And the people were ravenously starving for a savior because about 150 years or so before that, we had Judah Maccabee. We learned about that last week in Hanukkah, where somebody came as a, as a, as a, as a military power and defeated the Syrian army. And now the children of Israel again are saying, when are you going to deliver us from Rome? And the one who created all things, who could have went to Rome and said, you stop what you're doing with this oppressive behavior, Roman Empire, all he said to the people were, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, carry their packs another mile, don't be afraid of those who take your life, who can take your life. That's all he said. Not once did he go to Rome and say, try to change Rome. It doesn't mean that he's not going to raise you up as a prophet to a nation. It doesn't mean he's not going to raise you up as a Moses. Maybe you are a Moses. Maybe you are called to go to the government and say, let my people go. It's happened before. God loves all nations. Look at Jonah. We spoke earlier about Jonah. Jonah was a Jewish prophet called to go to Nineveh, a pagan nation and say, repent. Well, that's really enviable. Can you imagine if you're a prophet of the Lord and he, he builds you up with a, a spirit of prophecy and a gift of prophecy, and you're like, hallelujah. And he says, great, I need you to go to Syria and tell ISIS to repent. Well, now you know why Jonah fled. Because that's what he did. That's what he essentially what he had to do. And then he did his thing, and he went and sulked. And God said, Jonah, you so care about this tree that, that I had wither above your head. Don't you think I care about those people? They don't know their right hand from their left. Somebody's got to tell them. So yeah, God raises up prophets to nations. But it is biblical fact that Yeshua not once went to the oppressive regime of Rome and, and tried to change them. His heart was to change the people. And the people revolted against Yeshua. And the children of God at that time said, we don't want you, Yeshua, we want Barabbas. Who was Barabbas? Barabbas was a warrior. Barabbas was somebody who promised military redemption from Rome. And the people in their rage, righteous anger for being treated so poorly, said no to Yeshua and yes to Barabbas. And they put the Prince of Peace to death. I tell you, Today, at this time, in this hour, that the children of God, Christians, Messianic Jews, are on the verge, if they're not doing it now, of doing the same thing, of choosing Barabbas over Yeshua. And they're putting their lives at risk 
even unto death. Because Yeshua said, no, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And many of God's people will die by the sword because they're electing, I don't mean elections electing, they're electing Barabbas over Yeshua. The one who promises freedom through military might over the Prince of Peace who promises freedom in your heart. This is why the time that Yeshua did interact with the Rome, with Rome, he interacted with a centurion. And the centurion, the centurion, went to Yeshua broken. And he said, I know who you are. Will you please heal my son? My boy. And Yeshua said, yeah, I could do that. Where do you live? He says, no, 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 I don't even need you to go to my house. And then he said, you don't understand. I'm a tyrant, essentially is what he said. I've got people subjugated to me. When I tell them jump, they don't say how high. They jump. When I say to you, go there, they go. When I say go this way, they go that way. Essentially, he's saying, I got enormous human power. People are scared of me. But I can't fix my son. So I don't even need you to go to my house because I'm not worthy of you. Just say the word and he'll be healed. That's how Yeshua interacted with Rome. God hears the voices of the oppressed. God hears the voices of the oppressed. He hears. He hears your cries. He hears your cries from the ground. Even in Revelation. How long, O oh Lord, will it be before you avenge our blood? We want justice. We want justice. How long, O oh Lord, are you going to take before our blood is avenged? We are crying. Our blood is crying from the ground. It says in Revelation 6, the fifth seal. You know what he said to those souls, those martyrs? That was like, that was like, a, that was like, a, like, a, like a demonstration from the souls. It was the Million Soul March. We want justice. How long, O oh Lord, before we're avenged? And then the Lord says, rest. And he put on, put on a white robe on these martyred souls. White robe, kind of like the, the bathrobe you get in nice hotels. And he said, just rest. Here's a white robe. Go, go to the spa. You go get a manicure. Go get a massage. Go, go take a soak. Because I'm not done. There are more people that are going to be killed just like you were. And once that's all done, then, you, then I'll be done. But until then, i got more to do. 
The Lord is doing what he needs to do to bring salvation, to bring deliverance for the world. We are in an amazing story. You think the story of Joseph is full of drama? You just stick around. Stick around. And I charge you in the name of the Lord, when things get crazy, and I know they do, and I know that politics can really rally up. Believe me, I know that. It can rile me up. But I know that I know that it's in the, it's in the realm of the flesh when I get riled up. It's in the realm of Barabbas. Not the realm of Yeshua. Oh no, Rabbi. I am crying out for the oppressed. Baruch Hashem. Go do. Go do as you're led. Go do. But remember, Yeshua, how he dealt with the Roman singularly, face to face. Through the love in his heart. And that's where the salvation and the love of the oppressed will come from. Don't rely on the government to do that. They'll just disappoint you. Just like we're going to see in this next Torah portion. Another Pharaoh rises up, doesn't know Joseph. Who are these people? Why are they doing so well here in Goshen? And they got put into slavery. And then when they still continued to prosper, then their firstborn was killed. Salvation is in Yeshua. It's not in the government. And be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. this is a word as best as I can perceive from the Lord for this hour. In Yeshua's name.